appreciate your kindness. Yeah, yeah, I know you did. I appreciate it. I, sometimes I don't know who you're talking about, but I do appreciate Mary, just come greet the people here on the North Shore, the Yankees. Praise God. Well, I'm sure that some of y'all in this congregation this morning went through Katrina, so you know what we're going through. Right now, we have 10 people living in our house, three dogs and a cat that I told my grandson not to bring that cat from Texas. So, you know, daily I die. <laughs> because, you know, you have, you know, I tell myself daily, this will not go on forever. There is an end to this. And so, you know, that's with every storm in your life or every trial that you go through. And of course, Rod and I have been married for 62 years. Praise God. We weren't Christians when we got married. I, got, I became a Christian right down the road in Lacombe, Louisiana. Uh, we moved. He became a Christian there. I became a Christian in our hometown units. His dad brought me to church. I was a Catholic. And I got saved. And it took him five years to get saved. He was a Baptist, but he was not saved. <laughs> Praise God. And, but God saved him. And then God called us to the Chalmette area. And we went through Betsy. And we lost everything. And Betsy. And then after Betsy, we lived there a while, and then we moved to Lacombe, and that's where God captured Rod. But, you know, storms cause us to bend and bow. You know, when everything is going smooth, you know, we can praise God and we can just go on. But through the storms of life, that's where we grow. That's where we cry out to God. That's where we have to trust him. That's where we have to put our hope and faith in him. And if we don't, we're not going to make it. But I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. I was excited about coming this morning. And y'all do have a great worship team. I just want to say that. Thank you, worship team. God bless y'all. Thank you, Marvelous. Appreciate you. Love you. I love all of you here. It's great to be. What a, what a wide pulpit. I could but. I could put seven Bibles across this thing. My, my, that's nice. Yeah, I like it. I, I'm, I'm not against it. I'm for, I've never seen one this large. <laughs> it's probably for large people, but you're not large. You know, but that, yeah, it's a joy to be here, by the way. We, uh, I've canceled a lot of meetings, uh, even before the storm, uh, and after the storm, we have an NRP church in the storm, so I'm helping them to come out of some uh, major issues. And so I'm in two storms right now. And, uh, but I'm not storm weary. Amen. You know, I have grace, grace to have joy. So I bring you grace greetings from the storm-torn storm area, Laplace and Reserve. Ida May uh, began to come at us. Uh, she was out there and was supposed to be going through Baton, first through, through Mexico, then, then Baton Rouge, and then me and Danny Knight, who got blown out in, in Lockport, we were on the phone. We had phone service till about midnight. Uh, the winds gusted in, in our area, gusted up to 160 miles an hour, so she was bigger than Katrina as far as wind, windstorm, not water and not, not the devastation of flooding. But we, we spoke to Ida May. We told her to stop. We, we dissipated her. We spoke shearing winds into her. And we spoke to her, and the more we spoke to her, the bigger she got. And, and then she was headed to Baton Rouge, and we weren't going to be hit that bad. And the more we spoke, the more she shifted east. 
And then, then the eye came right over. I was in reserve. I stayed through the storm. I was in reserve, Louisiana, at an elder's house who had a, one of these big generators. And, uh, and when Ida May, her eye came over me, she winked at me. <laughs> I didn't like that. And then, then when she passed me, she smiled at me and said, I took your middle school building. I took... Uh, Jim Roof, we built all these things with our own hands. They were built dead free, but we, we built them with blood and sweat. And so it meant something to us. You know, I know buildings are not life, but it's part of your life when you pour your life into something. And then, then, then she took our water for a week, and Mary and I bathed in the swimming pool. I had a swimming pool we bathed in. It got a little nasty, but it was better than nothing. And, uh, in fact, it got time we got to it she had so much algae from the Cajun oil coming out of my body that it was about an inch thick so well, our neighbors were bathing in it yeah we had all kind of people bathing because we had no water for a week and then we had no electricity for three weeks some of you know the the pain of all that from Katrina so I'm not I'm preaching to the choir and then then she uh, she took my boat which I didn't appreciate. Uh, what else did she take? She took, took 400 homes out. Our daughter's home. Our daughter's, our daughter's home. Daughter's home. Daughter's home was taken out, and I inherited them. <laughs> now we're living, we're living, we're jumping over stuff all over the floor. But anyway, we're still rejoicing. But when the thief be found, they must restore sevenfold. So we're declaring a sevenfold restoration out of this this devastating thing that came. God had a higher purpose in Ida May than Ida May had. And uh, God controls the winds and God controls the floodwaters. So it's hard to blame the devil when God's in control. And so God had a higher purpose. I see a lot what's happening is judgments. And the cup of iniquity tips over. The creation begins to groan. And the cup of iniquity is tipped over in America. And now we're in the midst of a communist takeover. So it's really tipping over right now. And so nature is going to respond, and she's going to groan. So don't be surprised of the storms, the fire storms, the earthquakes, the flooding that's going to be happening in our nation. It's part of all God's judgments against the iniquity. We've murdered 65 million babies, and we're paying for it right now. But in the midst of judgment, there's redemption. When the judgments of God are in the land, the inhabitants of the land learn righteousness. So I don't know about you. But I'm looking to heaven right now, and I'm bending low, as Mary said, in the midst of the setbacks and storms and heartbreaks. It causes us to bow and bend, and the Holy Spirit's getting the attention of the church finally. Two-thirds of the church is still asleep. Well, I'd say three-fourths of the church. About a fourth of us are waking up. The woke movement has awakened us, and now we're starting to fight. Finally, we're starting to fight. Finally, we're starting to take back our nation. Finally, we're starting to take back our culture. Finally, some of us quit worrying about numbers, and we're going for the enemy's gut. Can you say amen in Jesus' name? So I'm excited about being part of that. And uh, I have a lot to share this morning. Put up that, put up that slide, I think. that did, did you get it going? The slide back there? The first, yeah, the God, God of all help or the God of help. I'm going to get there in just a minute. I just want to take a minute to honor Pastor David Laurie. 
of their faithful hearts, their great hearts, their good hearts, their sweet hearts, uh, their salty hearts, their salt and sweet. Uh, they hate the devil. They hate what's happening in our nation, along with, of course, Lee and uh, Rachel. Yeah, and so I, I, they're worthy of double honor. How many know they're worthy of honor and even double honor? So let's give the Lord a clap offering for them in Jesus' name. Today I come as a messenger of hope and help. Uh, before I do that, I just want to give a little prophetic update. I have a prophetic mantle that was given at my calling. Uh, I'm a seer. I do see things. I do see judgments. I saw, I saw the hedge of protection being down over our nation in 1988, I saw that because of the moral perversion, because of the murder of the unborn, that the hedge is down. 9-11 happened because the hedge of protection is down. And all the storms and devastating judgments are happening because the hedge of protection is down. And, and, and we have to rebuild the hedge. God said, is there anyone that will stand in the gap and rebuild the wall of righteousness? Well, Father, here's one right here. Here's another one right here. Here's another one right here. Anybody else wants to rebuild the wall of righteousness? So we got enough right here to get some wall. Say, man, I'm a wall builder. And um, one chapter in the book I have, uh, by the way, this is very contemporary. If you want to read a contemporary book on what's happening right now, this is a good buy. And I got everything on sale. So ladies, I got your ear. I got everything on sale for $7. This sales at amazon.com for 12. Mary said, I think I'm going to buy one if it's on sale. <laughs> So I, I'm going to sell a lot of books to ladies because they're on sale. And this is on sale. And all the books back, I've, writ, I've written seven. Mary wants me to write one more on the healing of the broken hearts. I think I'm going to do it. But uh, one chapter I have on the three stages of God's judgment. We have already moved in the third stage, by the way. First stage, the prophets warn. And if the church, the church is the key to the nation, uh, as the church goes, so goes the nation. Not as Biden goes, not as the globalists go, but as the church goes, so goes the nation. Quit blaming all them and look at us. We're the salt. President Trump is not the salt, and he couldn't drain the swamp. We can drain the swamp if we stand up and get active in Jesus' name. But if we stay in our little cocoons and our little buildings, we don't get out in the culture where we belong, then we're going to lose America. We're going to lose our freedoms if we don't fight. I'm a fighter, so I'm fighting. Mary's a fighter. We know how to use the blood. We know how to use the power of God. We know how to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we're fighters, and if fighters fight, fighters win. People that fight with, with God's strength. And so the first stage is the prophets. And prophets, been, I've been blowing the trumpets in 75. So this is nothing new to me what's happening right now. I've been warning people what's happening now since 1975 and beyond. And... Uh, and it's, it's recorded in this book, some of the things I saw many years ago. And, uh, and so we're, uh, we're fighting for, for our freedom and our life. The second stage is the breaking of the staff to bread. I'm coming off of Old Testament principles where you can really see the judgments of God. The breaking of the staff to bread is the failing of the economy. We're living in a failing economy. I just pulled all money, my money that I had on the stock market. I pulled it out because that baby's going down. They're, they're trying to destroy America. The, the Biden globalist administration is trying to destroy our economy. They want the big, the, the big infrastructure thing and all the rest of it to pass to take the dollar down. They're after your dollar. They're, there's a strategy happening. If you don't see it, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I've been seeing this for many years. So this is nothing new what I'm seeing. 
And so, uh, and then if the church repents, then we don't go in. The, the church did not repent, even in a failing economy, because many of them didn't see it. They could still go to Walmart. They could still go to McDonald's. They could still buy their shotgun shells. So they didn't give a flip about what was really happening in America. And so we have not repented in the second stage. We moved in the third stage. That's where God gives us over to our enemies. We are being given over right now to our enemies. Now, you're not hearing this much from the prophets, which I'm a little disappointed in because I don't think they're hearing very clearly. All they're talking about is recovery, restoration, recompense. I'm telling you, there's a lot more to what God's saying than what you're hearing. And I think I'm filling in the gaps right now. I believe I am. I'm not, I'm cautious to say thus saith the Lord, but I'm right at it. But I preached 2020 in June or July, Mary. We're, we never did shut our church down. We never did listen to that Biden clone, Bell Edwards, whoever you, the governor you voted for. We never listened to him. I'm not mad at him. He's a Biden clone. I'm not going to listen to him. And we never shut the church down. Stephen said, Daddy, I don't think we should shut down. He was the pastor. said, Stephen, I'll follow you. And he said, we should not forsake ourselves this assembly. So we never shut down. We, we didn't obey that un illegal mandate that the president and the governor gave. We didn't, didn't obey it. We stayed low-key. We didn't get proud. We didn't get on, on news and, and tell everybody to go to hell. We didn't do that. Felt like doing that, but we didn't do it. And uh, so, but, uh, but I preached that July or June of 2020, we're 2021 now, that if Biden, I don't care about the fraud. There was fraud. But I'm telling you, God has to give us over. Even fraud cannot win the day if God wants to interrupt it. Okay, you got that? And so quit blaming just the fraud. God permitted all that. And, and, and I preached then on the three stages. I preached that message out in the back, backyard of the church. We were out in the open. Then we decided to go with the antenna because we had more people coming. And uh, I said, if Biden and Harris win the election, God's given us over to our enemies. I said that back in 2020. I just want to tell you, God's given us over. But that doesn't mean we have to be taken over. That's the difference. It's up to us. If we don't fight, then we're good for nothing to be trodden under by the foot of the globalists. So you better get ready to fight if you want to survive. If you want freedom for your children and your grandchildren, this is how serious it is. We've got to stand up and start fighting and pushing back. The patriarchs are doing it. People that aren't even Christians are doing it. So why don't we join the ranks of the patriarchs? I'm a patriarch, but I'm a Christian first. And let's fight. Yeah. And let's stand up against the evil. Yeah. If we've got to say names, we say names. Right. And we point out who's evil. Soros is evil. He needs to go down. I'm not asking God to convert any of those guys. I'm asking God to remove them. Well, Brother Rod, I don't agree with you. Well, I don't care if you do or don't. I'm 81 years old, and I'm going to believe what I believe right now. And if you don't agree with me, well, just praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. <laughs> and so, but anyway, do you love them, man? Yeah, I love them, but I hate their evil, and their evil has to go. And that means that some of them are probably going to have to go. Uh, I don't believe there's some hope for some of them. I think they have already seared their conscience. Okay, let me, let me move on. I'm at Matthew chapter 16, 
in verse 13. I just, that was a little prophetic update that I gave you. And if you want the book, uh, in fact, I'm going to give this book away. I've already addressed it to Josh and Haley. Do, do you, do you all read? <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people don't read. They know how to read, but they don't read. And, and this, and I signed it, Rod Aguilar, and I'm going to be famous and this book will be worth a lot of money. And to Josh and Haley, and I, I nailed you as warriors and winners. So you're a warrior woman. You don't act like it, but you are. There's a lot of fire on the inside of you. And it's coming. God wants you to know it's about to come out of you. And you're very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You're quiet, but you're very sensitive. And there's a war, uh, warrior's anointing on the inside of you. There's fire in your belly. And you're not, you're, you're not a chicken. You're an eagle in the house. The, the Lord says, I've given you the eyes of an eagle to see and discern and to know what's right and what's wrong and what's evil and what's good. And the Lord said, I'm bringing you to the cutting edge of the prophetic in this hour. And you and Joshua are going to make a mark for my kingdom in this hour in Jesus' name. And, and I've given you, there's a, there's a leader in you that hadn't come out yet, but he's in there. And his name is Jesus and that leadership anointing, you, there's a gift of leadership in you. And so you just will accept it and quit backing off and come to the front, the front seat. You've been kind of in the back seat and, and just looking, looking at Lee, your bigger brother, and looking at your daddy. And y'all just want to stay in the, quiet, in the quiet zone back there. But God said, that ain't going to happen. You're going to have to come up front in Jesus' name. Oh. Help me. That's my help me. Give him the book. Good idea. I wish I'd have thought of that. Thank you, Mary. Matthew chapter 16. I, I've, been, I've been gabbing too much. But chapter 16 and verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he said to the disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, I the Son of Man, am? So, so they said, Some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elias. Others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said to, said to him, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Christ, the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one sent by God to reestablish his rule upon earth in Jesus' name or his lordship. He's the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one sent by God to redeem us, to reconcile us, and to restore us, and to give us a hope that a better day is coming, and to be there to help us in the time of our troubles. All you got to do is call upon the name of Jesus and cry out to his name, then God will come and God will help and God will set you free. So in the midst of your setbacks, look to see who he is. Who, who am I? He is the Father of mercies. Oh, that's a good word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Father of mercies. Lamentations 3.23, great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. Mercy means he's ready to forgive. Mercy means he's ready to deliver. Mercy means that he's ready to restore. Mercy means that he's ready to give you hope. Mercy means that he's ready to give you help. 
Mercy means that all things are working for your good no matter what it looks like, feels like, seems like. Everything is working for your good because God says it is in Jesus' name. We serve a God of mercy. Can you say amen? Mary and I are here today, and I appreciate the way he bragged on me, but I'm telling you it's the mercy of God and the grace of God. I am who I am by the grace of God and nothing more than that in Jesus' name. I might be a hero in your eyes, but in God's eyes, I think I'm a zero, and that's not a bad place. But, but who do we serve? Who do we serve? Who do men say that I am? Who do we serve? He's the God of hope. And I'm turning to Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope, come on Jesus, fill you with all joy and peace and believing in Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name, I release supernatural peace into Lee and into Rachel's mind. I release supernatural peace in your mind. I release supernatural joy into your heart. And the Lord says, I put a spirit of joy in your spirit. I put a song in your spirit. I put dancing in your feet, says the Lord. I put a merry anointing upon your life to sit at my feet and to hear my words, says the Lord. You're, you are a hearing spirit. And out of that, you have become a speaking spirit. You become a woman who declares the word of the Lord in Jesus' name. And leave that prophetic mantle that God placed upon your life. I declare now that he's multiplying it upon your life. You're going to be a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I put a prophetic anointing with an evangelistic twist upon it, says the Lord. And you're going to declare the word of the Lord unashamed for me. And I'm going to send you here and I'm going to send you at other places to declare the word of the Lord. And together, you're all going to be a team together, a teaching team and a preaching team and even a singing team in Jesus' name. Well, you, God put a song in your heart. That doesn't mean you make a joyful noise. That doesn't mean you're, that doesn't, I'm not a great singer, but I can sing. And, and that can, and by the way, God can multiply your talent, by the way, when you give it to him. Yeah, it's a good word. What is hope? Hopes are not working of faith. Faith is in the heart with a man, with the heart a man believes in the righteousness, but hope is in the mind. Hope is the helmet of your salvation. It protects your mind. Hope sees the positive and not the negative. Hope, see, hope sees that a better day is coming. Hope says it may, it may be midnight, but daylight's coming. Hope says this bitter thing is going to turn sweet. Hope says there's an end of this storm called light of me. There's an end, and it's a good ending. And there's, hope says there's a recovery, and hope says the recovery is going to be greater than before. Hope says there may be weeping for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. That's what hope says. Hope sees a good future, not a bad future in Jesus' name. Hope is a confident expectation that everything is going to work for my good. The bad things, the sad things, the glad things, the good things, everything work, works for my good. Hope says not only God can do it, everybody says, I know God can. No, but God will do it if you believe him and declare him that he will do it in Jesus' name. Can somebody, I had preached in about six weeks, so I got a lot in me right now. Hope. Who is he? Who is he? He's the God of hope. Yeah. And he's the God of help. Yeah. He's the God of help. And I'm 
turning to 1 Samuel 7, 7, and the projected lady, Ruby, I think it is. You're going to put that first scripture up there. Good, it's there. I'll be right there in just a minute. I read this this morning. Every morning I sit at the feet of Jesus, and, and I see what he's saying. When I see it, I seize it. Once I seize it, I seize it. Once I seize it, I has it. That's all Cajun. And so I saw this this morning. I seized it, and I has it, and I'm going to say it to you. I urge you, 1 Timothy 2, 1, first of all, to pray for all people to ask God to help them. I said, Father, that's right with my word today. So I'm asking God to help all of you today. Whatever you're in, whatever you're going in or coming out of, that I'm asking the Father to help you today. If you get his help, everything is going to be all right. Let, let hell scream, let demons holler. God helps you. You are going to overcome. 1 Samuel 7, 7. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. The children of Israel were in a hard place. If you're not in a hard place right now, one's coming. So remember this message. You may be in the hard place of marriage conflict. I've been there. 62 years of marriage, you're going to have some hard places in your marriage. Mary and I had a major disagreement with birth control. All we had was five children. <laughs> I wanted more. Therefore, at, this has been, Mary, how long ago? Uh, you were 36. That's been uh, how many, many years ago, 40 you were 38, so it's, so what, what are, yeah, it's been 43 years ago when we had that conflict. We still have many conflicts now. This was a major conflict. She believed in birth control and I didn't. I'm pro-life to the bone. I don't believe in birth control. I'm sorry. I'm not going to preach. On Mother's Day, I used to preach against birth control. That's how radical I was. We had a church full of babies, too. And some of them could have been named after me, not that I was involved other than preaching. But we overcame our difference. I mean, you know, in a marriage conflict, you got to come out of it. If you don't, you're going to separate. And we had Jim Clark, our, my spiritual father, help pull us out of it. And he said to Mary, Mary, you ought to submit to your husband. She didn't like that. Then I could feel the heat coming off her. And then he said to me, honor the weaker vessel. And uh, I... Decided I had to honor the weak, weaker vessels, so that ended our conflict. So, five babies, and we raised five more, though. Lynn's five children, Mary just about raised them. Mental torment, I've been there. I've been to the, you ever been in mental torment? Anybody here beside me? I've been in mental, Bangkok, Bangkok, Thailand, not a good place to get mad at a pastor and raise your voice at him. And I raised my voice at him, and then the Lord turned me over to the tormentors that night. That's mental torment. I don't know if you've been turned over to the tormentors, but I have been. And I mean, I was, I was, 
I was tormented and I was ready. If someone would have gave me a fifth of whiskey, I'd have drank it. That's how much torment I had. And I said, God, I cried out. I cried out to God. In my, I cried out to God in my heart place. And then the Lord says, don't ever raise your voice at one of my servants again. I said, never again, Father. Then he took the tormentors off of me. And I got delivered in Bangkok, Thailand. In Jesus. I got so many stories. I'm Uncle Remus. I could be telling you stories here all night. But then the hard place of premature death. Has any of you ever been in the hard place of premature death? Has anybody ever been? I've been there. My daughter died and took her life at 44 years old. I know what it is to be in that place. But thank God we serve the God of all comfort, the God of hope, and the God of help. Can you say amen? In Jesus' name. We serve the God of hope, but we must cry out. Give me the next slide, Ruby. Ruby Doobie. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, notice this, cease not to cry out unto Jehovah our God for us. Then he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the next verse. And Samuel took a sucking lamb. Samuel did what he could do. And he offered it for a whole burnt offering unto Jehovah. And Samuel, notice that, cried out unto Jehovah for Israel. And then, and Jehovah answered him. I just want to tell you, the same God that served, that, 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 what was his name? That Samuel served is the same God that we serve. That if we'll cry out that God has promised you that he will answer you in Jesus' name. So keep on crying out. Brother Rod, how long do I keep crying out until the storm is over with? Keep crying out till you're recovered. Keep crying out till your heart's full of life and full of love and full of joy and full of peace. Don't ever stop crying out to him. Can you say amen? amen. In Jesus' name. Good preaching. Thank you. Thank you. They cried out. In, in your storm or setback, there comes a time when you're going to have to cry out. There's just no other way to do it. Psalms 18.6, in my distress, and I've been in distress often. I don't know how long, how often you've been in distress, but I've been in a lot of distresses, a lot of storms, enough storms to sink five Titanics, but I'm still serving, I'm still standing, and I'm still shouting in Jesus' name. But, I, but in my distress, the psalmist said, I cried out to my God, and my cry came before him even to his ears. I have big ears, but God has bigger ears than I have. And I just want to tell you this morning, you have God's eyes, you have his heart, and you have his ears. The Bible says in Psalms 34, 15, the Lord's eyes are upon the righteous. His ears are open unto your prayers in Jesus name you have his eyes you have his ears so why don't you just cry out to him in Jesus name Psalms 34 6 the poor man crieth out and the Lord hears him and delivers him I rejoice that we serve a God who sees we serve a God who cares we serve a God who hears and we serve a God who delivers and by the way his name is Jesus can you say amen that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be delivered. The very day you cry out for help, the tide of your battle begins to turn. 
in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? Brandon, I just want to tell you today that the very day you cry out for help, the tide of your battle begins to turn. God has seen your tossings and turnings through the night, but the day you cry out for help, the tide of your battle begins to turn. God said a better day is coming. A new day is coming. I just see a new beginning for your life where things are going to be looking great again in Jesus' name. What the enemy has meant for your destruction, the Lord says, I'm turning it for your edification in Jesus' name. You receive that? Father, bless him. I ask you to strengthen the same anointing I'm preaching with. I ask you to strengthen him in his belly where the rivers of life flow. Jesus' name. Good to meet you today, Brandon. Jehovah answered him. Jehovah answered me. He answered thee. Isn't that beautiful how God answers prayers? So read on. Uh, Ruby, verse 10. He cried out then. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, and by the way, he was crying out. The people were crying out. The Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But Jehovah, but God, come on somebody, but God, thundered with a great, next verse, with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines, Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten down before Israel. I'm saying over America, one more time, Father. We're crying out for the freedom for our children. And our grandchildren. We're crying, crying out for freedom from this communist ideology, this wokeism that's trying to take our nation. We cry out, one more time, Father. One more time, thunder and confuse our enemies and scatter our enemies in Jesus' name. Can you say amen in Jesus' name? Then verse 11 and 12. Verse 11 next. Is verse 11 up there? Well, she'll, she'll get it, verse 11. I'm going to go ahead and read it. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far below as Beth Car. Then verse 12, then Lee. Then Lee took a stone. Come by me, Lee. Lee took a stone by Mizpah, and he called it Ebenezer. I always wondered why. I've seen so many Baptist churches called Ebenezer Baptist Church. I said, why, why in he, he, heavens do they want to call it Ebenezer Baptist Church? Now I know why. <laughs> Ebenezer means the stone of help. He, he memorialized the father on that day, he thundered and scattered the enemies. But our God is a stone of help. He's a God of help in Jesus' name. So that's the memorial that he, re- he wrote to remind us of who he is in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lee. You do a good job of holding up stones. You're a stone builder. Then the Bible says that Jesus Christ is our chief cornerstone. He is our stone of help. 
By the way, he's been tested and he's proven. Who? Jesus has been tested and proven. In this life, man's help often is not enough help. In our nation, I voted for President Trump. I supported him. I, I believe he won the last election. I'm not going there right now. Beside the fact we're just facing a, a major enemy right now. But Trump's help was not enough. President Trump could not drain the swamp. President Trump couldn't stop the evil, but we can. I said we can. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can drain the swamp. We can stop this evil. Salt is used to stop. The problem with most churches is too much sugar and not enough salt. Psalms 46.1 declares him, God is our refuge. He is our strength. He's always ready to help us to help you, to help us, to help you in times of trouble. Psalms 46.1, Amplified said, He is our very present and proven help in times of trouble. He is your stone of help. Can you say amen? amen. Thank you, Jesus. He is your helper. His name is help, and on his name you can call. Psalms 37.4, the Lord helps us. He rescues us. He saves us. And we find shelter in him. Help means, I look it up in Webster's, your best word dictionary. Beats any, I've took, I took Hebrew in seminary. I took Greek in seminary. Uh, I can use the different references. But I'm telling you, there's nothing better than Webster's dictionary. <laughs> Help means to give assistance means to empower you to go through the pressures and problems of help. He wants to help you. Quit trying to carry the load all by yourself. There's a load carrier, and his name is Jesus. He wants to help carry the load and the burdens of your life, but you got to let him have it, and you got to quit taking it back. you got to quit trying to figure everything out. Mary says, Rod, you too much got too much Jacob in you. You're always trying to figure everything out. I get exhausted. The night that President Trump uh, lost, and I, I went into almost a fetus position because I knew what was coming. I knew socialism. I didn't understand communism coming, but I knew socialism. Now communism is what's coming. The, it, it's, they're the same bedfellows that they, they sleep together. But anyway, I, I, I went through that election. I, I could not understand what I, I knew. I've been praying against fraud. The Lord gave me a word to start praying against fraud, but my prayers didn't work apparently. But I, I went through the election. I stayed up all night going through the election. The, during the day, I, I stayed up. I, that next night, I was still trying to figure everything out. You can't figure it all out. It ain't hours to figure out. And I decided, and I got so, so distressed that I said, Mary, you got to come hold me. I had her hold me because I knew what was coming to our nation. I had her hold me and, and, and embrace me and to comfort me. And then finally, one day, the Lord says, God, how do I navigate through the crisis that we're facing? He said, on your knees and in the word of God and look to heaven and don't look to earth in Jesus' name. So I don't know about you. I'm looking to heaven right now, and I'm believing God for a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit to push this wicked demon out of its place. Psalms, and I'm, I'm close to closing. I'm getting out of breath. I'm in preaching. I hadn't preached in four weeks, so i got to get my wind back to preach. Psalms 121, David facing a battle, impossible death of his life and death of his nation. And he made this statement. 
What a great statement. I look unto the hills, for which come in my help. Where were the hills? I've been there. Jerusalem is on, is on a hill. He was looking to Jerusalem. What about Jerusalem? It was the place of the temple. What about the temple? It was the place of the Ark of the Covenant. What about the, what about the Ark of the Covenant? Represent God's presence. He said, I'm looking on the hills which cometh my help. My help cometh from the presence of the Lord. From whom, whom is it coming? My help cometh. That means it keeps coming. It keeps coming. It keeps coming. If you'll keep waiting upon the Lord, his help will keep coming. Keep coming. And from whom does it come? It comes from the Almighty, the one who made heaven and earth, the one who said, let there be light, and there was light, the one who measured the galaxies with the palm of his hand, the one who measured the seas, the seven seas in the palm of his hand. That's whom our help cometh, from the Almighty God. God is greater than. God is greater than any opposition that you're seeing, any evil that you see, any storm that you're going through. He's greater than I to me. So from him, the Holy Spirit is the helper. He is the helper. Jesus said in John 16, 17, it's expedient, it's best for you that I go away. And I will send another comforter, one just like I am. A comforter, parakletos is the Greek word, one alongside you, one who will strengthen you, your tomato steak. You, you, you've seen a tomato. It's got to have a stake to hold it up in the fruit. You need Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, as your tomato stake to hold you up through the, through the weight of life and through the storms of life and the birds of life. He will hold you up if you let him. If we let him, he is your helper. He'll help you to go through the brokenhearted times and the setback times. Roman 8.26 declares the helper, the Holy Spirit helps us. In our human weaknesses. We do not know how to pray in our crises. But he takes over and intercedes for us. He is your stone of help. There's no trial that his grace cannot match. Corey ten Boone, there's no pit so deep that Jesus is not deeper. There's no hurt that he can't heal. There's no broken heart that he cannot put back together again. You're looking at one. When my daughter took her life, he broke my heart. My heart broke into a thousand pieces. And he warned me that was coming. He said, he told me before her death, I'm going to break your heart. Your heart's going to break into a thousand pieces. Then I'm going to pour you out on the body. I didn't know what that meant until that night. I was shattered. But the helper came. Help requires a response. You must do what you can do. You must look to heaven. You must spend some need time. You must cry out to God. I'll help you cry out, but you've you got to lead the way for yourself. 1 Samuel 7, 9, Samuel acted. He did what he could do. He took a lamb, he sacrificed, and he cried out. That's all he could do. Then God did what he does. He thundered, and he scattered. And one day, I want to close now with a, 
Aguilar's history of help. Aguilar's history of help. Mary, you've been with me in this journey. 1968, that's been 53 years ago, Mary. Seems like yesterday. Mary and I were in a sin crisis. Not so much her, but I was her sin crisis. I was a production supervisor at Air Products and Chemical. Mary and I lived in Shawman. I used to commute to Air Products across the pontoon bridge before some of y'all were born. And, uh, and I, I became a production supervisor, and, uh, but I was a party boy. I was a wild one. Mary said I was a devil. I had four horns and two tails. I'd go to nightclubs without her. I'd go to go-go joints. I'd go anywhere. I'd drink. And uh, this night I took my shift out. I took them out to a go-go joint. You don't, you don't want to know what a go-go joint is. Not going there. And uh, I got home at daylight drunk that morning. And Mary picked up our two youngest, and she left. Said, I can't live with you anymore. Because this was a repeat. And that afternoon, I woke up with a hangover. Anybody here have a hangover? I'm not talking about a nail, hangover nail. I'm talking about a hangover. And, and I, I, I went to bathe to try to recover. You ever, anybody ever try to shower, bathe to try to recover? You know what happened in that bathtub? The Holy Spirit apprehended me. Convicted me of sin. You can't get saved unless you're convicted. And I got ready to pray. And the Holy Spirit said, hold up. I just had an impression. I'm not sure I was hearing anything, just impressions. The drinking has to go. The nightclubs. I love the night. I love the dark places. Nightclubs have to go. The gambling. I love the racetracks. I love to gamble. I love the poker tables. I love sin. There's pleasure in sin. And I love the pleasure of it. But then the kickback comes. And so they, that's got to go. And I hesitated because of the pleasure. And uh, It's not worth it. My marriage being destroyed. Finances are being destroyed. My body is being destroyed. It's not worth it. Then I prayed a sinner's prayer. You know what I prayed? Help! Help me! That was it. That's all I prayed. I mean, that's all you prayed? That's all I prayed. That's all I knew how to pray. And when I said, help me... Bam, I got born again in the bathtub. Come on, give God a shout for that. Then, then the sickness crises. I've been through so many crises. The sickness crises came. That was 43 years ago, I think, or 42, whatever it was. Amber was two years old. And Mary, I, was, I babysitted a lot for her, for her to... Go shopping. That's not true. But I, I, ba- I was babysitting for her to go get some groceries that day. Wasn't no TJ Maxx then, so it was no problem. And uh, 
I was mowing the yard. Mary said, go check on Amber every night. And, and I forgot all about her. And I went up to the room. I could hear someone screaming when I got up there. And Amber was in a trauma of fear. A trauma can open you up to demons. Do you know that? And a trauma opened up to a spirit. Asthma is a spirit. It's a demon. Opened her up to a spirit of asthma. And I didn't realize what had happened. A few weeks later, a missionary that we support was visiting my neighbor that was part of our church. And Amber was running in the house. And all of a sudden, <gasps> she lost her breath and fell to the floor. And the missionary lady, her name is Rebecca Hood, she's still preaching the gospel, picked her up. And he, she looked and said, there's an evil spirit here. And she began to rebuke the evil spirit. Then she caught her breath. And I, and I thought it was over with. That was not over with. The Lord, Lord has a purpose in every storm. I just want to let you know, it's a higher purpose. And from that time on we began to fight for her life and we were very word centered and we didn't use the medical world much and we decided we knew it was a deep demon word and she would go into these asthma asthma fits and we start confessing the word using the word then after a few months of fighting for her life really asthma can kill someone her one of the last nights <sighs> Couldn't breathe. A little three-year-old girl, about three about then, and and I said, Mary, I got to take it to your. I can't take it no more. I put on my pants and said, said Rod, read the word one more time. And I had all my Bible colored, every scripture that would healing, deliverance. I had it. I really learned a little bit about the healer and the deliverer through that trial. And uh, and I, I I read the word, and she caught her breath. By the power of God's word. The next day, I went to my office, and and uh, Mary called me and said, Rod, she's down again. She's on the couch. She can't hardly breathe. The poor man crieth out, and the Lord hears and delivers him. I put my head on the desk. I said, Father, my faith is zero. I have the more strength. Then I heard, go home and worship me, and I'll heal her. I got in that car. I don't know how fast I drove. I probably broke at least 10 speed records getting home. And I got in. She was on the, that, that light green, wasn't real leather. Yeah, olive green. <laughs> and she was there laying <gasps> And I said, Mary, and she had the same word, let's kneel and worship him, and the Lord's going to heal her. We knelt down. We knelt. When I read these things, they, they touched me. When I, I knelt down and we lifted our hands, we began to worship. And the power of God hit her. And uh, she, uh, yeah, I'm getting old. And she... And she popped up because she could speak good at three. Said, Daddy, I'm healed. She knew she was healed. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she began to run around the house. That's been 43 years ago. And she's still healed. Can you say amen? 
Give me that song, Hope, sir. Thank you. I'm closing. I've said that twice already. <laughs> then there was the death crisis. Lynn, my daughter, got in, was in a bad marriage. My wife signed, and she don't mind me saying this. There's a bipolar curse. Middle illness is a curse. DNA, demons, whatever you want to call it. And the curse cannot come without cause. She got real bitter at her husband. And they had a terrible marriage. And in her bitterness, that curse began to come on. In her first breakdown, we tried to deliver her. We spent three days fasting, me and Mary and the pastor and other leaders. And the Lord spoke to me during the past, go tell her to forgive her husband and I'll deliver her. So I said, Lynn, I just feel something impressed from the Holy Spirit. You forgive your husband, he'll deliver you. I said, I ain't forgiving that jerk. When she said that, the demon powers took over more. That night she tried to kill my associate pastor with an ice pick. Christmas Eve, whatever year, I had to admit her into a mental war. Help. That's all we could do. 22 years we fought for her life. We never won. We did temporary wins, but not the real one. Then on a, the snowy day, I met a lion on a, in a pit on a snowy day. It smoked, snowed five inches in, what year was that, Mary? I forget. 19, uh, 2011, was it? It was December the 11th, 2008, yeah. Snowed five inches. I was in Eight Mead City preaching in a black church. Y'all remember that day it snowed five inches? It was the largest snowfall Louisiana had ever seen. And I talked to Lynn that morning in, in, a, in, a, in a motel room and said, Daddy, I'm real nervous right now. The snow really upset her but she was getting good she was back working and a cardinal a red cardinal showed up in my window while i was talking to her i don't know if you know the significance of that and uh, we drove home after the snow the road had cleared up and got home and uh, there on my my wife walked in first said rod she's hurt herself she tried to take her life and uh, there was a note. Jesus, please forgive me. I love all of you. I ran into the cottage. I ran to the swimming pool first. I ran to the cottage in the back where she was staying. She wasn't there. And I, knew where, I knew where she was. I just knew. I ran up the steps. My bedroom. And she had found my, my pistol. And it had shot herself in the head. And took her life. That night, I watched the police take her down in a body bag. My daughter. God's a God of hell. He's a God of hope. 
and that night after she was taken out her body I held Mary in my arms in bed she said Rod my heart's about to burst <laughs> you know what I did help Jesus help us The day of her funeral, we had grace to worship him and not charge him. I'm emotionally finished now. Okay. I've come here today to tell you that God is. He is the God of hope. And he's the God of help. You may be in a crisis of some sort, may not be, may not measure up to some of the things I shared with you, but a crisis is a crisis. If you're in a place of heartbreak and setback right now, whether it be financial lack, whether it be a, a son and a daughter, a grandson and a grand, all that's trauma in our life. That's all, that's all a place of setback and storms and, 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 and a place where we can cry out to God. You, you may be in, in a marital uh, conflict today. It may, may not be anything as big as Mary and I were in. It took us a few months to, or a couple of years to work it out. It may be a pre, premature death or whatever. There's something in you that's burdening you that you need help. I'm asking you to stand on your feet. I'm asking Marvis to come join me.